All right, cool. Uh, another news and note thing. Uh, if you're brand new or you haven't been here in a while, we don't have your email. Um, this is one of my last two Sundays. It's one of my last two Sundays as my wife and I have took, taken a job. My family and I have taken a job uh, in, in Toledo and uh, really it's in, in Michigan and Northwest Ohio to be the regional church planting director for that area. Um, God has asked us to start a movement by the power of God, and we're excited about that. But that leaves us to have just a couple more weeks here uh, before we start packing up and moving. And in that, I felt like I wanted to do a series where we didn't just address the elephant in the room, but like we said it a couple weeks ago, we jumped on the elephant like Aladdin, and we rode that thing. In other words, I want to say the things that I've always wanted to say. That's the name of the, the, the series, the things I've always wanted to say. Uh, And I felt like that would be healing for you and me. So it's a very bold and forthright series. At times it'll feel like it's a mean series, and I'm sorry for that. But but again, the heart heart behind it is that I want this to be healing for all of us. And two weeks ago, the thing I wanted to say, or the thing I really wanted to ask was, why would you leave? Like, if I'm leaving, why would you leave? If I'm leaving and you're going, well, I, I prefer this pastor or this thing, and I kind of liked what we had, this relationship that we had, I'm going to leave now. My, my question to you is, is why? That's kind of the essence and the premise uh, of, of what a couple weeks ago was about. Uh, and, and you can check that out on our Apple podcast now. We got an Apple podcast, yes, two weeks before I left, right? I'm not you know, offended or you know, insecure about that. But that's what happened. And so you can download that and figure out, really the, the, the meaning behind that question. And the meaning behind that question is God is building something. God builds his church never on a me, but he always builds his church on a we, together. He gives us all a palette of giftings, and we're supposed to use those palette of giftings to build up the church. And so you're good at stuff, and you're bad at stuff, and sometimes you do the stuff you're bad at just because you're serving Jesus, and a lot of times you do the stuff that you're good at because it's your job, it's our job, he builds it on a week, to build up the church together, and, and really you're supposed to be a contributor, not a consumer. So last week, my wife and I were a consumer for like the first time, and I can't even remember. Uh, I can't remember the last time we just went and sat in a church, uh, and we, we had this plan to take Thanksgiving off, and so we did last week, and I went to a big church that I used to work at, just to consume. I literally brought my kids in to this amazing kids ministry. They had like tree houses and stuff. I'm like, who built this for you? Can we get a tree house built? Uh, I dropped my kids off in a tree house with a slide. Uh, and, and then I went into service with, with coffee. Our coffee's better, by the way. No big deal. We had bagels. They didn't. <laughs> Just saying. It's not a competition, Justin. Okay, so I went in, and I sat down, right, and I, and I, and I worshipped, and I, and I heard a really good message, and it was a really good church, and I loved those people, and then I left feeling extremely empty. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but I left feeling like, ugh, I didn't do anything this morning. I just went, and I was a big honking consumer, I didn't make a relationship. I didn't give to anybody. I didn't serve anybody. I didn't pray for anybody. It was too big to really build relationships. I I just kind of sat there. And I left and I felt icky. Like, why do I feel icky? Because it wasn't the church. Church was beautiful. Church was nice. People were welcoming. The message was great. It was a biblical message. The worship was fantastic, right? 
And then the, the, the electric guitarist, and he's like, like, wow, this is special, right? And special, like, Hillsong worship. And yet I left feeling like, what happened? And it was because I didn't do what I was created to do. I was created to contribute, to give, to serve, to love, to be a part of the building of the church. And I wasn't. In Ephesians 4, Paul doesn't just call us to contribute. He gives us a call. This was two weeks ago. We talked about how he calls the church to bear with one another in love uh, and, and to maintain the unity uh, of the spirit in building up the church. And so my question to you really, again, at the core of it was, Jesus is trying to build something. He wants you to bear and maintain together. Why would you leave on a consumeristic train out of town? Why would you put on your preference pants and just walk out the door because this no longer met your preference list. Again, it's a very mean series, I know, but it's a very forthright series, uh, and, and you can't fire me, and so I'm just saying what's ever on my mind at this point. Okay? Here's this week, and again, probably the meanest series you've ever been to. This week is called, It's Not About You. It is not about you. <laughs> Somehow it's getting meaner as we go along. Um... Look, I, I, was, I was reading this book uh, by Rick Warren um, in college. This book is called The Purpose Driven Life. Uh, and whatever you think of Rick, it doesn't really matter because the dude sold over 30 million copies of this book. It's translated in 85 different languages. I know there are Rick Warren people and non-Rick Warren people. The haters are there for a reason. Dude sold over 30 million copies, right? And the only thing I remember from this book is this moment in the book where he starts a chapter off. I thought this, like, this, this dude has some audacity. He started the chapter off like this. It is not about you. You ever just argue with a book? Or you ever just argue inappropriately in some way, shape, or form? Like, sometimes I'll be on a walk. I walk early in the morning by myself, and I'll be arguing with someone who didn't even do that thing to me. You ever do this before? Like, I think that they're type of, this type of person that would do it, and so I'm arguing with them. I know you're not doing this to me. And God's up there like, he, they didn't do that to you. <laughs> like, who are you arguing with? Or you're just arguing with your windshield. You ever do this before? Maybe it's just me. That's fine. I, I'm the only person that has anger issues. And so here I am arguing with the, with the windshield. This is what I'm doing with Rick. I read this for the first time. He's like, it's not about you. And I'm like, now hold up, Rick. Okay, sir. Good sir, Rick. Okay, you don't know me. I, it's not about me, but it should be a little bit about me. And I'm going back and forth arguing with a piece of paper. And this is what you do when you read this or when I say this to you. It is not about you, but when the dust of your argument settles, you're like, okay, maybe he's right. Maybe he's right. Maybe it isn't about me. And that's the title of today's message. We're going to be in Genesis 11.1. Genesis 11.1. Uh, if you're new to the Bible, it's the first book of the Bible. You can get, uh, get a free app, or you can buy a Bible for pretty cheap, uh, and it's the big number 11 and little number 1. Let's pray. I'm going out of order on, on purpose here. I'm feeling like God wants to do something different today. Uh, God, we, we ask uh, that your presence would shine a, a, a lamp onto your word, but it would not just shine a lamp onto your word, it would shine a lamp into our hearts, into our convictions, into our thoughts. 
where it is about us, would you make it about you? Where it is about me, would you make it about you? Where it is about everybody in this room? Because I know, I know we have selfishness at the core, and if we're going to build this church together, I know that we need to be selfless. And so God, would you help me say maybe these kind of harsh things in a loving, sincere, caring way? In Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen. All right, Genesis 11.1. Genesis 11.1. Now the whole earth, this is the famous account of of what's called the Tower of Babel. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. How many of you, raise your hand, are you a Bible nerd? Anybody a Bible nerd in the room? That's good. We love Bible nerds. It's good. It's good. If you're a Bible nerd, you know that in Genesis 10, the author points out that they had different languages not once, but three times. So what's going down in Bible Town right now that not, not everybody's got the same language? Uh, there's a couple theories out there from, from scholars. One is called deliberate dischronalization, uh, which Google just gave up on. And so we're not gonna, that's not bite-sized enough for a Sunday morning. Let's go with another theory called lingua franca, which means there's a bridge language. Okay? So my wife is from the Philippines, right? And they have what's called a bridge language. Meaning, there are, there are 125 to 170 different minor dialects in the Philippines. There are eight major dialects in the Philippines. The, the, the major dialect that my wife speaks is called Kapampangan. Try to say that five times fast as a white person. Okay? So, there are, there are major dialects and minor dialects and minor languages, but they all speak this one bridge language called... No, 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 Tagalog, okay? I'm looking for the Filipino people in the room. <laughs> Everybody else but the Filipino people are, are answering. Uh, it's Tagalog. So my wife can go to little, little Manila over here. She can go up to Max's. Shout out to Max's. You want some authentic Filipino food? Go, go. I just got it from the Filipino guy in the back. All right, so she, she can go to Max's, and she can order, and she can talk to anybody she wants because it's called a bridge language. So this is what scholars think is going down. There's a bridge language, verse 2. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower with its top to the heavens. Ambitious. Super ambitious. Now, ambition is a two-sided coin. Ambition can be good. And ambition can be bad, right? Let's watch what side of the coin this is. And let us make a name for ourselves. Not good. Lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Ambition can be good, but if it's stripped of its humility and its perspective, it can be bad. So one of my favorite things to have on in the background on Saturday mornings, uh, as we're getting ready for missional community or whatever, uh, is the English Premier League, which is the greatest sport of all time. It's football, soccer, whatever you want to call it. It's the greatest sport. No other sport even compares. I don't want to hear about no rugby, Barry. I don't want to hear about no baseball. Or f- this is the greatest sport of all time. It's the most universal. No argument, okay? It's on the background all the time. In the English Premier League, I love their announcers. Now, I have a terrible English accent, so just excuse it. But one of the phrases that you'll hear all the time is... He's been a bit ambitious. All right? That's what, that's what, he's been a bit tenacious. He's been a bit ambitious. Okay? And, and you're, when I'm here, I stop whatever I'm doing. Because I want to know what he did. 
Because ambition can be good and it can be bad. It could mean that the dude took a shot from like way outside the 18 and scored upper 90 all soccer language. You can get to know language. He did a good thing. He took a good risk and it was great. Or it can mean dude was not smart. He didn't have perspective and humility. He didn't pass the ball. He kept it to himself and he lost the ball. That's ambition. It can be good. It can be bad. Your ambitions right now could be from Jesus, or they could be your pride. They could be for Jesus, or they could be for your name. Ambition is a two-sided coin. They're obviously sitting on the wrong side of the coin because they say, come, let us make a name for ourselves. Verse 5, and the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do now will be impossible for them. Look at how much credit God is giving unity. Come, let us go down. Let us go down and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them over over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. Again, did you see the credit that God gives to unity? God himself lends ear. God himself gives focus. First, I don't know if you caught it, but God doesn't do this all the time. He says, let us go down. So God not only points out his own unity, he starts out by saying, this is my identity. I exist in unity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, unified as one God in perfection. He says, let us go down. But then he points out, in their unity, God lends ear. God bends his knee over and says, look at what they got going down over there. Dare I say, God is even cautious about the power of their unity. Now God is not scared, and he's not anxious, he's not worried. But he's definitely cautious, like, look at what they're doing. This is going to ruin them. It's going to ruin their motives. It's going to ruin everything about them. And so let me lean in and let me change this. Unity, in the same way that ambition is a two-sided coin, the ambition of unity is a two-sided coin, it can be good. As I leave here, y'all could band together. Y'all could unify. You guys could depend on Jesus as your pastor. The Spirit of God could fill this place And you could build a movement that plants churches, who plants churches, who makes disciples, who makes disciples. Unity, when the the centrality of it is the muscle and the power and the love of God, unity, man, man could do anything. Men and women can do anything with the unity of God as the centrality of their message. That's how we started the greatest movement of all time. When I started preaching here, we talked about how Christianity, there is no movement that is greater and built on less. It's built on a servant who made himself nothing, a God who left his throne, made himself nothing, and then left, and left us with the Holy Spirit. And then a bunch of people, some C and D students and some fishermen, built the greatest movement of all time without a projector or a smoke machine or the internet. And it's still going strong today, and there's billions of people around the world who worship Jesus. That's unity around Jesus. One side of the coin. The other side of the coin is that we could ruin ourselves. And God comes down and says, I'm going to build your ruin now because you're going to ruin yourselves in the wrong way. 
And all of this comes down to, both sides of the coin come down to one thing, motive. What is your motive? God is obsessed with motive. Did you know that God could care less what you do if you have the wrong motive? If you have the wrong motive, he's out. I mean, that, that sounds like I'm, I'm, I'm creating, you know, big language for no reason. So, so let, me, let me show you 1 Corinthians 13, which is actually not a wedding passage. I don't know if you know this. This is 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of, and by the way, I've used it at weddings many times. It's kind of like my go-to. Sorry, guys. Yeah, I just did their wedding. Uh, so I want to confess that. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So, so if I speak in the tongue of men, if, if I can speak like an angel, but love is in the central motive of that, God doesn't care. God doesn't want it. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and, and if I have all faith, so to remove mountains, if my faith picks up a mountain over here, and puts it over there. I mean, most of us would be pretty impressed with that. Would you not? Come on, church, come with me. Y'all would be impressed with that. If you're not impressed by me picking up a mountain, I don't know what else to do. <laughs> so, if I, if I, so, so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I'm nothing. If I have not the motive of love, I'm nothing. If I give away all that I have, watch this. And if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. How profound is that? Probably speaking of a popular persecution of the day, which is burning Christians at the stake. If you go get yourself burned at the stake, but your motive is not love for Jesus, love for the gospel, and love for the people around you, God is not impressed. He's not impressed. So you shouldn't go get yourself burned at the stake, okay? It's not worth it. He's not impressed. Motive. God is obsessed with motive. Motive lives in the good and bad, right? I told you guys a couple weeks ago I'm obsessed with these like murder podcasts where they're trying to find out who murdered who and I don't know, it's somewhat inappropriate. Um, but I, I, you know, I confess everything up here. So I, I, I listen to these things and, and what do they do when they're trying to figure out if someone is bad? They try to find their motive, right? Motive is at the center of truth. And God is the way, the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's obsessed with motive. He detects motive. And he wants to know, where, where's your motive? What, what is this about for you? So here's my question today. In building what you're building, we're going to address you and the church because we're building the church together. That's the theme of these three weeks together. In building what you're building, what is your motive? See, my argument is that we're always building three things. Okay? And, and, I'll, and I'll, go to this, I'll go to this later. But in, in those three things, what is your motive? Is it you? Is it about you? Is it about your legacy? Is it about your reputation? Is it about your name? Or is it about Jesus and being Jesus to other people? Very simple message. Um, since I skipped it before, I want to skip down. 
Tony, will you go to those three things? Thank you. The three things that we're always building are family, mission, and church. Now, you could be building four things. You could be building five things right now. Some high-capacity people are building six things. They have like a side business on Etsy, and they somehow sell a million dollars, all while working their job at Google and serving Jesus on the weekend. Maybe that's you. Good for you. Uh, But most people are really just building three things. Uh, And the first thing is family. Even if you're single, you're building family, right? You're building these relationships around you. It could be your mom, your dad, your grandfather, your grandmother. You could be turning friends into family. You're always building family because we're dependent on these family relationships to exist in, in a state that is not depressed, right? We, we are made for community, and family is the deepest form of community. You're always building family. You're always also building mission, work, Your work is unto Jesus. No matter what it is, where it is, you do it for Jesus, in light of Jesus, to build up the name of Jesus, you're working for Jesus. That's really what, it doesn't matter what what, what frame of mind you are in or what field you're in, you are working for Jesus. So what is your mission? And that's that's what he does with Adam, right? We're going to go back to Genesis constantly today. That's what he does with Adam. He he pulls aside Adam and he says, one of the first things I'm going to give you is work. Plow these fields. Now, Adam's not sweating at this point. There's no thorns and thistles before sin. But he's plowing fields and joy, and he's naming animals. I mean, that's the greatest, greatest job of all time, just naming folks and animals. It's amazing. So, so he, he's given mission. You're given mission. The last one is church. We're all building church. We are a body. If we're a body, you're a body part. If we're a strong house, you're a plank, a sheet of drywall, you're something to build this. The church is not a building. It's a people who are building the church. The church is not a building. It's a people who are building the church. So if you go to a place where they're making the church a building, where they put $7 million in a building, where everything is surrounding this building, where they never do anything outside of this building, you know that their value, their core value, is a building. When the church is not a building, it's a people who are building the church. It's a movement of people. So what is your motive in all of these three things? Is it to please God? Is it to serve him faithfully? To serve him selflessly? Or is it about you? Let's go back to Genesis 11, verse 4, and let's, let's build our case. Then they said, come, let us build a city, ourselves a city and a tower with its top to the heavens. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with an audacious goal of saying, I want to build a city, and I want to build a tower, if the motive is correct. Right now, hopefully, you have some ambition. Some things aren't even worth doing unless those ambitions are audacious. Like, for me, I always want to be in a season where I'm doing something that requires the power of God or else I'll fail. If I'm not doing something like that, what am I doing? I'm just building my own stuff. So hopefully you have something right now that our, the founder of our movement, it's called the Christian Missionary Alliance. It's a denomination. His name was A.B. Simpson. He, he ministered to uh, refugees coming off the boats. That's how we started this denomination. Great man. He, he calls it holy audacity. Like, do you have something in your life right now that is so audacious that it needs holiness, it needs the power of God. Right now, I'm writing in this very, very, I shouldn't even say this, I'm writing a book. Okay? Okay, now hold on a second. 
75% chance this thing never gets done. 90% chance no publisher will ever touch it because who in the name of C.S. Lewis is Justin Thornton, right? 95% chance nobody reads it besides my wife, okay? But there is nothing wrong with having the holy audacity to say, I think this book could do something. So I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m., I'm going to write this thing. I'm going to wake up again, I'm going to write this thing. There's nothing wrong with that unless the motives are incorrect. So what is it right now that you're building, and, and, and while you're building that, first of all, is the church involved in that? Do you feel like it's not my job to build a church? Do you feel like it's your job to just walk in, sit in the back seat? Uh, I always make fun of the back seat. It's whatever seat you're in, it's great. I'm glad you're here. Uh, poor, poor people in the back seat. It's like I just came in. There was the only seat. Uh, so is it your job to just come in and sit and, and watch the sermon and then leave? Or is it your job to build the church? So do you feel that unction in the first place? And in building, whatever you're building, what are your motives? Is it you? Is it about you? Like I, I, I mentioned two weeks ago, that we're going to have some things to fill. We're going to have some holes to fill. Right? I, don't, I don't do everything here, but you know, I, I do quite a bit. It's my full-time job. I care, I've, I've been loving this church for these two years, two plus years. Like, you're going to have some things to do to, to have my back and the next leadership's back. You're going to need to come up the back door and go, here's what I'm willing to do. Here's what I'm willing to serve. Here's what I'm willing to support. Now, when you do that, praise God, what's your motive? What's your motive? We'll find out what their motive is. Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top to the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. So much motive here. First, their desire translates that they want to be at a level amongst God, and it's not, uh, it's not that they think this building would be effective for community. They're not building refugee housing here. This is not a community center to faithfully and, and holistically love the people of Shinar, this is about them. This is about them desiring to be this, this dangerous motive at a level amongst God. This, this motive to be like God. Not that, fun, not that, not that good thing, you know, be like Jesus. Not that thing, but they want to be like God. And if you're a Bible nerd, you, you'll go back to the garden and you'll know that Satan creeps up. Like all, all God says is, hey, hey, don't eat from that one tree. You can do anything you want. Don't eat from that one tree. Satan creeps up to them in Genesis, and he says, For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God. That's the false motive. Is that your false motive? To get a little bit of power, to get a little bit of something. You like watching that person who has some eyes on them. You're like, I want to be the person who has people's eyes on me. And that's your motive. If you're a Bible nerd, again, you'll go back to, to, what G, to what it says about Jesus. Jesus, although he's the son of man, the king of kings, doesn't even think being like God is something to be grasped, but makes himself nothing. So is that your motive, to make yourself something, to get a piece of that power, to have that feeling? I'm bossy. I like that feeling, right? I'm not going to lie. Ask my family. That he's bossy, okay? 
My sister will tell you every day, he's bossy. I like it when people listen to me. I like it when I say, you go there and they do it. I'm like, oh, that felt good. Now, I'm being honest in front of you, and some of you won't be honest with yourself. But you know when you get that feeling, and that's your motive. You're like, ooh, I, I like that. And you have to check that. Because even the Son of Man did not consider that feeling something to be grasped. This motive of grasping for power also lacks perspective. Sober-mindedness. Like, did you notice that they said, let's build this tower to be amongst heaven. But did you also notice in verse 7, it says, come, let us go down. So they're thinking, we're doing it. We're all the way up in the sky, baby. God's like, that's cute, but I still have to come all the way down to you. And this power gripping and power grasping, it always lacks perspective. You always think you have more than you actually have. And I'm just wondering, is that your motive? Is your motive to get power, to be amongst God, uh, or are you serving in humility, servanthood, and perspective? Which, which one is it for you? How about this one? Is one of your main motives to make a name for yourself? Uh, ne- next, next verse. Or city life. Maybe, you're, maybe, maybe you want to make city life's name epic. Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top to the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves. Is anybody else sick of churches building their own name? I'm all sick of, sick of going to a service project where we're like feeding poor people and like the name of the church is on the sandwich and you're like, this is brought to you by Smash Church. It's like, come on. Like I know of churches, they do like one service project a year where they clean up some garbage and they wear the brightest highlighter colored t-shirts which say, you know, vibrant church, loving our city. Like, y'all's out here once for an hour. So let's calm down with the t-shirts. Right? Building your name. I get nauseous. It makes me nauseous. Building your name. Well, Justin, that's just good marketing. That's what any church will tell you. That's what you might tell me. That's just good marketing. Well, here's, here's my question. Back to motive. Because this is all about motive. God is obsessed with motive. Do we build a name for ourselves? Is it our job to build a name for ourselves? Or do we build around the name of Jesus and let him bring our name favor? Which one is it? Who's the builder? See, it's my argument that we're terrible at building names. That anytime we try to build our own name or a church's name, it either comes all prideful and annoying or we sink ourselves in fame. So is it our job to build a name for ourselves or do we build a name around the name of Jesus? We're not going to build his name. He's already built his name. Okay? Or do we build an, around the name of Jesus and let him bring favor to our name? What I've learned over time in ministry, um, um, I guess I'm 13 years in, 14 years in, something like that, is that if I don't try to stick up for my own name or try to build my own brand, God will take care of me. He'll bring favor to me as I operate, now sometimes I don't, and I don't, I don't receive that favor. But if I, if I operate in humility and servanthood and don't try to build my own name, he brings favor to me, and there is no greater asset on this planet than God's favor. Is that your central motive, to build your name, 
Uh, maybe you're starting a business. Maybe you're starting a thing. Maybe you're trying to kill it at work. You're trying to kill a project. What's your motive? To build your name, to build your rep, to build, build your title. Uh, as you build this church, as we build this church together, uh, I may not be here, but I'm, I'm going to be a part of this in, in an apostolic way. As we build this church together, uh, what's the motive? Is it, is it the name? Or is it to be a faithful church and let God build the church? Let God build the name. Let God build the reputation. Next one, come, let us build it for ourselves a city and a tower with its top to the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed. Here's the next motive. Lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. They wanted to be stagnant. They wanted to be still. They wanted to build a comfy building in a comfy city where they were no longer dispersed. Now, this may come off as, well, that's just good unity, um, but really what I'm going to tell you is that it's selfishness and disobedience. Uh, because back to Genesis 1.26, back to the origins of this whole story, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. One of my favorite commands in all the Bible. And fill the earth and subdue it. Subdue that thing. Don't sit somewhere. This is God's glory. God wants his people to spread out, to have dominion over the earth, over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. He wants his glory to stretch to every part of this corner, and maybe you're a flat earther, even the flat parts. God wants his glory to just resonate, and he wants us to spread and get territory, and plant churches, and plant love. And maybe you're just like, I just want to chill. I'm tired of subduing. Subduing is hard. Transitioning is difficult. Is your central motive disobedient to be stagnant? Is it selfishness in the end? Um, Let's go back to what you're building. Uh, If you build this out of selfishness uh, or empty ambition, uh, worship team, come up here. If you build this out of selfishness or empty ambition to make a name for yourself, to be amongst God, it's going to sink you, it's going to sink your mission, it's going to sink your family, and it's going to sink this church. And so the question is, what do we do then? I've gotten this question in numerous ways. As I'm leaving, people are asking me, what do we do then? How do we charge the hill? A couple weeks ago, I'm like, charge the hill. They're like, okay, what hill and how? Makes sense. The answer isn't Jesus. Just build with the motives of Jesus. Whatever you're doing, build with the motives of Jesus. Ephesians 5.25, again, a passage that we've used for weddings, is about marriage tells us how Jesus builds his marriage to the church. He washes her in the water of the word. He serves her. He loves her. And then he dies for her. That's it. This is not about you. It's about her. It's the greatest marriage passage, I think, in all the scriptures. It's the greatest marriage advice, but it's also the greatest building the church advice. Make it about her. Wake up, serve the church, love the church, put yourself away, sacrifice for the church, and maybe one day 
even be at the place where you die for the church all the time. Now I'm in a place in ministry where I may be going to sit in a little bit of an ivory tower. So I'll sit in an office and I'll tell people where to go and what to do. <laughs> but man, I remember my wife and I in our first church in Michigan. There was maybe 30 people and we bought this building. And my wife and I would just go and clean the building. Because we had no money. So we just go clean the building. And Annabelle was little, and then she'd dirty up the building, and then we'd clean it again. And God built that church. Nobody knew my name. I had authority over nobody. I had no thing. We made ends meet. But God built that church. Now, over the years, my motives get muddied, and I start to want things and glory and money and all sorts of bad things, but I can go back to that moment, and I promise you, if you go back to that moment, like, what can I do? Can I vacuum? Can I serve? Can I, can I, can I make myself nothing? Can I sacrifice for her? You will build this church together. And not only that, but whatever you do, whatever adventure you're after. If you build that like Jesus, everyone's going to look at you and go, something about them is radical and different and I want that. What are you building? How are you building it? What's your motive? Let's pray. God, this is a season where all we can think about is you leaving your throne to become one of us. You didn't establish a throne here on earth. You lived homeless for three years. You came into a modest family in a town that nobody heard of. And you came to serve, not to be served. And so I pray that all of our dreams of dominion and power and glory would fall into the pits of hell we would serve you, Jesus, with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. We love you, Jesus, and we love that we don't have to create the blueprint. You've already created it for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and worship. Let's reflect on what our motives are. Let's reflect on the bad ones and the good ones. Ask Jesus to come into your motive. Ask Jesus to come into your worship. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal inside of you what he needs to reveal. Ask him to reveal the good stuff and the bad stuff. Confess. Repent. Take communion. Worship loud. Worship quietly. Sit down or stand up. Just let Jesus work.